Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. It's just like the problem solving aspect of fashion that I love. We might start off with an idea that the whole collection is just sheets with holes in and we have to somehow make it work. So you start with that kind of idea and you don't really know how you're going to get there in the end. For the collections you're working on, has it taken on board everything you've been through in the last year or so? 
it's slowly coming back to normal, but I think things will kind of never be the same again. The way that it kind of all changed so suddenly, I guess just shows that you can't really have a plan for anything. So you just kind of have to adapt as things change. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF Podcast. The pandemic has not been a particularly easy moment for independent fashion designers, even some of the most talented ones, like this week's guest, Craig Green, who is hard at work on his spring-summer 2021 collection, which he is hoping to reveal in October. This time, it won't be in a fashion show format. As he explains to our editor-at-large, Tim Blanks, Craig is exploring alternative ways of showcasing his collection that feel more appropriate to the times. He discusses his ongoing collaboration with Montclair and his love of problem-solving and dream of designing a wardrobe classic. Here's Craig Green, Inside Fashion. Craig, hello. Hello. <laughs> We're here today, BOF Live, with Craig Green, really one of the most exciting, um, probably the most exciting menswear designer in the world. We we last spoke a couple of months ago, I guess, when Paris was doing their digital. How long ago was it? When Paris was doing like their digital. A few months ago. Yeah. And at that time, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, we I, f- I felt like there was a sort of, um, we were still in a moment of uns- well, even uncertainty. I guess we're now in a moment of even greater uncertainty. But you were still finding your way through the challenges of um, of this situation that's prevailed for designers and for the fashion industry, because it felt like before this happened, at the beginning of this year, you were on the cusp of change, and then COVID happened. You were you were moving to Paris. You were you were just, you'd moved to Paris, you were just taking a, taking your career in a new direction. Um, and then obviously everything stopped and had to be reassessed. Where are we right now? Um, I think we're still in that period of not really knowing what's going on um, and not really knowing what feels right, I think. I mean, we're still working on um, we're still kind of completing our Spring Summer 21 collection and planning ahead for next year. Um, and of course we have like a, like a number of kind of um, collaborations and projects and campaigns that we're kind of working on as well at the same time. Um, everyone in the team's kind of back in the office now, um, which is nice. I mean, they're actually on vacation right now. That's why it's so quiet here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's slowly coming back to normal, but I think things will kind of never be the same again. Um, and it is kind of like, it's slightly annoying because, yeah, I guess we were in a, we just moved to Paris for the first time to show um, and things were changing for, in a better way. Like the team was growing and, and lots of things were happening, but I think the way that it kind of, all change so suddenly kind of, I guess, just shows that you can't really have a plan for anything. Um, everything gets thrown out the window last minute. So you just kind of have to adapt as things change. When you said you were getting back to normal, um, what, what did, what is, of it, is this the new normal or is this what, what was happening? 
it's definitely a a new form of normal. It's not how it was before at all. Um, I think I, I think just like I guess anyone that has like a who works in design or fashion, it's such like a um, a human based process of models and fittings and interacting with people. And when you have kind of restrictions about how many people can be in a, in one space and having to wear masks while you're doing fittings, it just is not the same as it was. Um, it, it might not be like that forever. Um, I guess it's just kind of, you just have to adapt to the situation, I think, but it doesn't have to be, it's only negative if you think it's negative kind of thing. <laughs> I think it's, 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 it's a very, I, I imagine it's a, well, looking from outside, I could imagine it's a particularly, it's almost an ironic situation for you because if I think about what defines your work for me, the, the, the really unique quality is a sort of maybe like a medieval futurism. It's, it's interesting that people have been writing about this as something that's coming out of the pandemic is this notion of, you know, a plague riddled past with the way that the future is being shaped by our response to that, to that particular set of circumstances. And when I think about, you know, the magnificent Craig Green collections of the past, there's this, there is this medieval element. There's the sense of, um, there's a sense of of being close to nature, of being of of quite t tightly defined communities, of um, of you know you see things like samurais and knights and in your clothing. You have I have seen those and armor and the notion of protection and defense against un the unknown. And that's all so appropriate to what we've all been living through. I just wonder how you, if you've stopped to think, oh my goodness, this is, this is my time in a funny way. Um, I guess like um, maybe those kind of things are more interesting when you're not kind of living them. So maybe now it's <laughs> kind of time to change that, but. Yeah, I mean, the, the the aspect of protection has always kind of been there. Um, and it's always like a starting point in everything that we do. And it can be things that are kind of based on in functional protection, protection and clothing, but it's also sometimes about we do. Um, I don't know, like it's that kind of that kind of protection aspect is always something I've been interested in, but I can, I think that also kind of links back to the idea of uniforms. Um, Cause they're protective in a way that they kind of link you, like you become part of a group when you wear a uniform. And I think that idea of being part of something is protective in some way, but then there are other aspects to it in terms of protective clothing and workwear functionality and all of those things are kind of, are just things that we always kind of come back to and float around on, I guess. I, I love the idea of talismans. I, I love the idea of, of, people wear, of people wearing things to ward off um, evil, basically. 
Um, but have you felt that more uh, when you, as you, as you're reassessing your work over the last while? Can you feel yourself kind of evolving that idea in some way? I mean, is fashion a talisman? Um, I think, I mean, I'm always kind of looking back at the past collections and kind of deciding what didn't work and what did work and that kind of changes constantly between, from day to day really. Um, so it's always something that we've done. I don't know if it's any more, I guess, I guess over the last few months, you don't really have much time to like sit and analyze the past. It's more kind of, um, you're reacting to the moment and what's kind of happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like, yeah, they, they're things that we always kind of circle around and go back on, but it isn't any different to what it was previously. Really? In some way. Well, I guess we haven't done a show yet. So maybe when it comes to the energy around a show and that kind of storytelling aspect, I think maybe it will be a bit different. But I mean, even, but even in the clothes, you don't feel that, you know, we're all responding to a threat right now. Everybody is. Whatever you do, you're responding to this outside threat. Like there hasn't ever hasn't been a threat like that for centuries, really. Uh, do you you don't feel your work kind of taking shape in response? Like the notion of protection, for example, becomes something a lot more real, perhaps than than it has. Maybe been. that's why um, it doesn't feel so nice to fantasize about it anymore because it's so real. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think we're always kind of under threat in some way. Um, maybe not on the level that we're kind of experiencing right now. But I think that need to feel protected is always there in people. Um, you know, that, that need to be part of something, that need to wear things that maybe we don't necessarily actually need for protection. Um, I don't know, It's just it's just something that... I've always been attracted to, and I kind of think people, I, I feel that people kind of always want to feel protected. I, I think, think I always kind of say, you know, like it's like having a four by four in the city. You don't actually need a four by four, but you feel a certain level of protection knowing or having an Arctic jacket and living in a climate where it's never, ever going to get that cold. I don't know, that kind of feeling... I guess it's like a kind of, you get an inner calm from feeling that kind of protection. Well, you know, you do these collections for Montclair and I, I was walking down Bond Street the other day and, and the window of Montclair in Bond Street was your clothing and it looked like sci-fi crusader clothing. You know, it looked, it really looked like 24th century armour. And I, I thought, how interesting that, because I know those collections a sort of the the, the uh, genius collections from Montclair are staggered throughout the year. And I thought, well, just because I was outside Montclair, I guess it wasn't any, any more significant than that. But how funny that that's what I was looking at in the window, just as all these things have been going through my, through my mind. I mean, that's just what you were saying, that this repurposing of super functional, you know, high performance clothing for the city, like a four by four, driving it in the city. Uh, incredibly functional things. Is, is this something you've 
you've taken a sort of perverse enjoyment from over your career, taking a functional notion and then building it into this thing of rather perverse beauty? Um, I think especially with Montclair, um, I think part of the reason why we thought the collaboration from the very beginning could work is that I always saw Montclair as a brand that's about protection and functionality. And I thought it was really interesting to kind of, it's something that I've always been interested in, but it's kind of something that Montclair do in a di very different way. Um, and I thought that kind of twisting those ideas within Montclair's heritage and world could kind of be an interesting partnership. Um, like for example, the first collection that we did with Montclair, the, the idea was to, I thought it would be interesting to look at any, the most obvious kind of research imagery of Montclair, like mountains and ski and outdoor sports and try and find something in them that maybe people hadn't looked at in a certain way or hadn't been inspired by and kind of use that for the first collection. So we were inspired by like the first collection that we did, which was the Montclair Sea capsule. It was inspired by when people break their leg on a mountain and they get strapped down to a stretcher and the shape that the blanket made under the straps kind of created like a Montclair jacket. So I thought maybe that was a good way to twist it into that. Um, which also kind of created the shape a bit like a sex toy or like anal beads in some kind of strange way. Um, or a spaceman, if you look at it in a, with a more kind so of- that's quite uh, high-low then, literally high-low, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that was always kind of what was interesting about um, what we could do with Montclair, that it was, it was about protection and functionality, but it, it was, it was things that could be seen in an innocent way, but also maybe in a slightly darker way, depending on who was looking at it. Did that come back into your own work then? Because, you know, you, you, you've become quite lyrical in your own work. You, you know, there's a figurative element, there's painting and there's color and there's a sort of elevated, um, you know, uh, more sort of maybe more maybe more experimental in a way that you're exploring areas that from the functionality you're now you have moved from that to a more sort of almost spiritual level would you say that you're not shy of that maybe the way you used to used to be I used to laugh when people go backstage you know like me and they're always kind of bombarding you with these incredibly spiritual uh interpretations of what you've just done and you just say oh god no it's anal beads or something like that you know like bring it all the way down <laughs> <laughs> um but would you say you've actually in yourself you've you've come to grips more with that um i don't like i i mean the textiles aspect has always kind of been there but in different ways so like with the prints and the kind of more experimental textiles i was a textile graduate um, when I was at college, although it was more kind of menswear. It's kind of always been there, but yeah, sometimes it's, sometimes the set of three collections that we're working on can spin into a more kind of textile experimental world. And then sometimes it can be very stark and plain. Um, 
but yeah, to, like talking about how, you know, when, when you come backstage and stuff, I think I've, um, I always find it difficult to talk about things in that kind of spiritual um, way. I don't know why. I mean, usually they are based on the things that I talk about, but they are things that you can kind of find spiritual, whoever you, depending on the person. So um, I don't know. I find it difficult to talk about things in maybe a kind of grand or very, very deeply conceptual way um, because usually they don't start from places that, well, the starting points to the collection don't come from places that are maybe very conceptual or maybe very deep or something, but when they all but come you, together, maybe you could see it as conceptual or deep, I guess. But do you find it easier then if I just say, well, you know, the music of Kate Bush has been kind of the thread <laughs> for, your, for your career. So if you follow a Kate Bush album, if you follow Ariel, for example, and when you were grouping your collections in threes, are you still doing that, you think? Can yeah, you so I think the, the last collection was the end of that three. So now we are starting the next three. I don't so, know, like it, it, it never started off as threes. It just like maybe about nine collections in. We, I always want to kind of categorize everything for no reason. And but a trilogy. No sense for anyone. But. No, trilogy, <laughs> beginning, middle and end. It's perfect. That's a that's the perfect threesome, beginning, middle, and end. But was the last one Kate Bush, the Kate Bush's Ariel album, then the last three, or is it? Or is she always? Is her music always kind of the the thread that ties them all together? I mean, I only started realizing it recently how you could look at the collections and the campaigns and kind of link them strangely to Kate Bush songs or albums, but it was never kind of, they were never the starting point and the, it was never kind of intentional. Um, but if you look back, you can do that. There was like a collection that was a bit like Army Dreamers, if you look back in some kind of strange way and certain campaigns could be like cloud busting or, you know, like it kind of really depends. Um, but it's just, She's just someone that I've always, um, who I would love to meet and love to work with. And I really think she's a completely incredible person. And her work and her music has always been that kind of, you know, you always look back and you think, even when I was, at, even when I was doing my A-levels at school, I would listen to Kate Bush. And since then, it's always kind of been a thread and it's only recently I've looked back and maybe because I'm always trying to categorize everything. I don't know why it's not really useful to anyone, I don't think. But, <laughs> you know, like trying to find a reason why things happened in the past. Um, but I think it helps me to kind of compartmentalize them and then kind of move on to the next thing. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> is it? Oh, I thought it was quite simple, but <laughs> no, I mean that, that maybe it's more self self analytic um, self analyzing. But that's the, that, that's kind of the way you you create order out of chaos that you compartmentalize and you and you you know to find a subliminal thread in what you do. Um, I mean that's kind of interesting. It, it's 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 that kind of you know is fashion an art? 
when you when you find when you when you find something like if you can find this through line in everything you do it becomes like art it becomes like this ongoing well i guess it's like, i mean the cliche is it's like a journey isn't it that you're on a journey when you're um when you're um doing this you know when you're yeah, it's, it's, it's strange because there's not really any reason to kind of categorise it in that way. I mean, there's like no one's looking back and kind of trying to find why <laughs> why things have, like, I, I guess fashion's all about kind of moving forward, isn't it? Not looking back and putting them into categories. But um, it just, I, I find it helpful. I don't know. It's also like the way that we start a collection as well. Usually it starts with kind of blocks of colour on a wall before we even have clothes or before we even have fabric to try and find the rhythm of the collection or to try and find... I guess that also links back to that kind of idea of uniform um, and uniformity and kind of a rhythm of something. So I don't know. We always... It's just like a... I guess it's just like a certain way of working, but... Um, but do you feel like you're telling, now you've done however many collections you've done, you've done how many now? How many is it? It must be a multiple of three. That's all I know. Nine? <laughs> Nine? Three? I think maybe 12. 12? Good Lord. I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> can you, can you, do you see it now, like when you're talking about kind of categorizing it all do you see it now as chapters in a way you can look back on it and see how each each collection is a chapter and it's there is this book that you're writing here in a way you know i i, I feel i feel that because it's a remarkably consistent um you know we talked about this that there are menswear designers you know helmet lang or raf simmons where the idea is evolution and you're expanding on this, on these central themes. Do you feel in a way that's what you've been doing for the last however many seasons? Expanding on? Certain themes. There are certain things that interest you. I, I would say, you know, light versus dark. Um, it, it seems to be a theme with you and, um, I would say spirit versus flesh. You might, you might, you might kind of disagree with that. There's something incredibly physical in your work, but there's also something really elevated. You know, I uh, the, the there was one collection you did where the models all had bare feet. They walked with the banners, and um, everybody was crying at the end of that show. And you don't really see that very often in fashion. And that interesting balance between the body and the spirit, I thought, and light and dark as well. These themes, you think, and 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 utility and fashion is another contrast too. I think there's definitely there's definitely themes that kind of like even if I look back to my MA collection from Central St Martins, which was 2012. Although it was a long time ago, I think you can still kind of, there is some kind of similarities between the collections now and, and then. I mean, that collection was all about the relationship between workwear and religious wear um, and how one is for, 
for like a physical function and the other is more for a kind of spiritual like an imagined not non-physical function usually but they have so many similarities in terms of construction and cut and style of clothing so it was it was all of those kind of things that I and and those those aspects are still there so I guess like uniforms communal ways of dress functionality utility um all of those things kind of even though each collection we start off we have a starting point that feels so far away from the previous collection or like the previous seasons somehow in the end it always kind of ends up becoming a bit similar or part of the story even if we try to really start somewhere else <laughs> and we think oh it's going to be so different this time and then but somehow you know, it's like, oh, it said something so interesting <laughs> that this throughout this pandemic you know i think people have become so aware of the workers in society you know the people who keep society functioning the the people who don't get any credit um and often they're the people at the very bottom of the pyramid but they're the ones who've kept things going and you were talking about um uh workwear and that in that context and for those people you called them angels on earth and so, I thought that was so that that really felt like you know this sort of this evolution of of, of one of the, your central themes I think the I think that's what's always really important for us that the uniform aspect or the utility aspect or the workwear I guess you call it it's always the it's always based on the uniforms of people that actually do the work it's always kind of the worker rather than the uniform of status so it's kind of like that's always really important to or always, it's not very important, but it's always, it never feels right when we do something based on uniform that isn't to do something in, if that makes sense. I'm not really making sense, but. No, it does uh, make perfect sense. And then there's, and the, and the collection, the, you know, the Angels on Earth kind of collection was the Spring Summer 19 that we showed a pity. And that collection, yeah, we kind of referenced like nurses outfits and hospital scrubs. And it was just that kind of idea that, yeah, like angels on earth, or like the people that are really going to save you. And that was way before what happened this year. So it, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that, that fashion can project into, project itself into a situation in a, in a really unanticipated way mm. you know because everything's been about hospital about nurses think, and people working in hospitals and i think something like the pandemic and what's happening right now is kind of put a you know like a spotlight on that maybe a bit more but it was always there they were always the people that were going to save you no matter what so i guess it's now the spotlight is a bit more on that kind of subject but yeah, they were always there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Are you te- <laughs> That's an idea that you could be running with even more now. I mean, for, for the, collections you're, the collections you're working on, that we will, when will we see these collections? Are you planning to show them? The next collection we are launching... Early October, spring, summer 21. But we're doing it in a completely different format to what we've done previously. So, yeah, can't say much. But, <laughs> <laughs> but is it, is it, has it taken on board everything you've been through in the last year or so, last nine months? Um, I, well, the thing is, like, most of it was kind of, because it would have been shown in June, most of it was kind of already in process um, quite early on, almost like in February, March. 
Um, it's definitely changed since then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different way of showing and presenting, I think is kind of the main aspect of what we're doing right now. And now we're just about to start on what we, on the new collection, which will be brought into 21. And hopefully that'll be a show again if we're going to shows then. <laughs> February or March. Yeah, February. Um, February. Yeah. I mean, I'm, um, I'm, your, your shows have always been so important to you um, as a kind of um, crystallization of, of, but, but very humble. I mean, you've, you've not, you've, you've managed to, your shows have managed to be emotional without being super scaled. I mean, they've managed to, they've managed to be very impactful without being extravaganzas. How important has that element been for you? I mean, you're talking about doing this next presentation in a completely new, unprecedented way. Is that unprecedented, would you say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that word is like um, <laughs> lost meaning recently. <laughs> so, <maybe>. but, <laughs> do you enjoy working on, on that element as well? I mean, you, you, some of your photo shoots for your clothing have been, have been very extravagant, actually. You've blown things up, so... Um, is that something, is that an element that you really, really enjoy as well? Me, I think, I think part of the reason why I was really attracted to fashion at the beginning was the image making aspect of it. Maybe even more so than dressing people aspect of fashion. I was always, I always found, I guess like, I always think a fashion show is really, is like a really important thing. Um, it's quite weird that we haven't done a show this season. It would be like the first, it's the first time in maybe nine years that we haven't done a show in June. Um, which is quite an odd, odd thing. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the image making aspect and the making some, I guess it's like making something inspirational for people or making something that makes you feel something like even going back to my MA collection, the the sculpture aspect or like the the big black houses or like the luggage carriers, they came before the clothing. And then the clothing was a bit like an afterthought. It was like, they need something to wear whilst they carry the sculpture. So I don't know, it was, that aspect has always been there. It's always been kind of, I guess. What, what, why, was, why was that more important than the clothing, do you think? I don't know if it was more important, but it definitely came first. You know, like it was almost like the clothes were like, oh, and they need an outfit. <laughs> that collection anyway, maybe it's not like that anymore, but um, looking back, that was kind of a bit, bit more the thought process. It like started with, I just, I've, I've just always loved that image making aspect or like trying to create an image that lasts longer than just now. Um, or might be in a book one day, and that kind of approach has always been there. But but you, you you've often used banners, and you've often used things that reshaped the body, you know, that changed the human silhouette. That are very ritualistic. Um, what is that? Do you think in you that when you say you'd love to see these photos and you'd love to see the images in a book? 
they could be in a book without any kind of context actually and be completely fascinating. I mean, they could be from any time, any place in a strange way. That, that there's a sort of timelessness to, to that stuff, which is really, I've always found really strange and, and kind of fascinating. Where do you think that comes from? I think the aspiration, like my aspiration when I was at college was to be in a book. Like that was like my dream. I mean, I, I never really dreamed of being a fashion designer. I didn't dream of, I didn't really dream of any job really. I just kind of went along with what felt right at the time and knew I liked to make things, knew I was kind of okay at building or making or learning things in terms of like art and design. Um, but one of my main goals was I really wanted to be in a book in the library in the future. That was like, <laughs> that was like my main goal. How far um, in the future? Um, I don't think I thought that. <laughs> I don't think I thought that far ahead, but I just knew that I, when I was at college, I was like, oh, I, I would love to be in a book and I would love for, I don't know, students to find that image one day and be inspired. Human students? Sorry? Human students? Human students? Or just post-human? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to the library anymore, but <laughs> yeah, maybe not human students. <laughs> what, what, what did you want them to think when you saw those pictures of the, those boys with the structures, with the houses and the, and the banners? What would you want people to think? What, how, how would you want people to respond? Well, whoever, it doesn't, doesn't have to be people who are looking in this book. It could be something that comes after us in about like 50 the, years. Like the same way that, I, I guess the same way that I felt when I first discovered designers like Walter Van Berendonk. And I kind of realized that fashion could be about anything or could come from anywhere or could come from anyone. It didn't have to be from what I understood fashion would have been, which kind of I found quite scary when I started St. Martin's. Like you have an idea of what fashion as a course would be and what fashion as a career would be. And then you discover kind of designers that like Walter, who, who are so uncompromising in what they do um, and so individual in their voice and, and make the work about where they're from or what they do or what they what they've done, um, which might not not necessarily be um, a classic a classic reference point <laughs> for think, design. I think of him as quite as Walter van Berendonck as being a very defiant designer, and I've actually ne it's never occurred to me before that you might be as well. That maybe you're you're actually defying. Uh, convention in the way you um, in the way you work, in the way you show, in the way you design, and and actually that you're defiant. Uh, I always, I always <laughs> try and um, <clears throat> I think rather than I don't know that in in the collections is I think we've spoken about it before, but I always think it's. I prefer it when someone sees it and I, I prefer when someone sees the clothes or the collection or the campaign and sees something 
or decides for themselves what it's about or what they see it mm. being, um, rather than it being a specific statement that I wanted to say or that I'm fighting against. So in that way, I don't know if you call it defiant, but yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're leaving it up to them, which I find very interesting because you give them you give them some very strange tools to work with to create their own idea of um, what it is that you've done. <laughs> Although you did you you did say something so interesting that um, kind of crept out of nowhere and 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 you know those those words those things you say when you're not really thinking about them they turn out to be really really important. But you said I under you told me I understand what I was meant to do. And that really intrigues me. I mean, what do you think that means? I understand what I was meant to do. Like you've had some kind of illumination and... Um, oh, you mean when we spoke a few months ago? Yes, yeah. Um, I think that was more... In, I think it, it kind of goes back to Louise Wilson, because I think until I met Louise, I didn't really understand whether I had a future in fashion or whether I'd be doing something else. And it wasn't until I met her. I, I think when I met Louise, I mean, firstly, I kind of had a good relationship with her um, and we got along. And also I really respected her as an educator and as a person. And I think the in when I joined the MA course at Central St. Martins, I think she encouraged me to push further and encouraged me to kind of continue with doing what I thought was maybe interesting at the time. And I think she understood where, um, I think she understood where I could take it before maybe even I understood what I was doing or like what I was, <laughs> or why I was doing it. Um, but she, pushed yeah she pushed me and she encouraged me to not care what I think she would always say like why do you care what other people think and why do you care what other people are doing and why and that kind of pushed me along to kind of I guess yeah like I don't know maybe beat my own path or in some way <laughs> um, did you need her to tell you that or was that already in you do you think I think I've always I've always worked, even if I look back to my A-level um, art teacher, who's called Mr. Barbie, who passed away a year after I left school, so we never really reconnected again. But I've always kind of done better when I have, when I've had like, I don't know, uh, a really inspiring, strong educator or, somebody to kind of encourage me or push me along, um, especially in education. And I think I definitely needed Louise at that point because I didn't really know. I mean, my, my BA collection was, I mean, most of it was like wooden meat, kebab sticks kind of sewn into fringes and a wooden birdhouse with a balloon stuck on it. So I don't, <laughs> I wasn't really sure where I'd fit in at that point um, so I really needed and I don't know what she saw in what I was doing or what she 
thought could become something, but I'm happy that she offered me a place on the course. And that she- I think, I think she saw fearlessness because, you know, it's been there ever since. Uh, you talk about beating your own, you know, beating your own path. I mean, wow. There's, it, 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 it's, it's, it actually has been quite defiant in a way. Um, also, it, 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 it's become much purer, like your, your path is, you know, this happens with artists, doesn't it? That their work kind of becomes purer. They becomes more, well, for some of, for some of them it does. It becomes more refined in a way. Um, you just, you know. I think it's just a constant learning process, isn't it? I, I still feel like I'm learning so much. Like with every collection you learn and every factory you meet you learn and every fabric supply you learn. And I guess as it goes on, maybe you just naturally get more skills as you go along. But I don't what, think you what? ever learning i think that's why what kind of things have you learned like what would you say you've learned recently i mean it seems to me that you can that last um montclair collection that we saw in milan um you took clothes to a place where the clothes were almost the living thing the person inside them was almost less important than the this incredible living organism that you'd created. It was so futuristic. It was incredible. I mean, what are you learning that's, that's allowing you to do those sort of, that, that sort of thing? What's think, your research process? Even just, like, even just in the, um, I mean by, I guess what I mean by learning is, it's just like the problem solving aspect of fashion that I love, you know, like where you, and that's what I love about working with Montclair on collections that we might start off with an idea that we want to like the, all the, the whole collection is just sheets with holes in and we have to somehow make it work. So you start with that kind of idea and you don't really know how you're going to get there in the end. But the whole process is like, how do you create this visual? How do you create, how do you see the body inside the sheet? but also have a Montclair jacket floating on it at the same time so you can see both. And then how do you see the internal feather injected in the jacket all at the same time? And then how can someone wear it as well? So it's, it's like all of like the, I just, I, um, I still love energy of like not knowing and, and trying to find out and working with people to kind of, get the answer but I'm just really kind of cute I guess like I I'm interested in all aspects of fashion like even down to garment construction and fabric and textile and like how to construct a certain thing like I still have I'm still interested to find out things like that so I guess in that way you're just always learning is it a quest do you think um I guess you could call it a quest. Um, it's a bit like an impossible quest, isn't it? Because you can never really learn everything and you can never really know everything. So I guess that's why you kind of have, that's why it keeps that energy because it's forever changing and there's always more.
I think I think I know, you, I know. yeah I think of you as quite obsessive because I think of you as being very humble about what you do which I find incredibly convincing you know it, 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 it's just it's it's not your voice isn't the voice uh, one of the voices we're used to hearing in fashion you know but at the same time you're very it seems you're very obsessive I think I'm definitely, I guess I would would never have thought of myself as an obsessive person maybe a few years ago, but I, I'm definitely obsessive with work. And I think like that's the reason why I, I kind of, it's the reason why I went into like art and design or the reason why I went into fashion is because I had an energy for, for it at school when I do not just an art subject, but even, I don't know, graphics or industrial design or product or anything that was to do with like making or building or problem solving. I would, in compa comparatively to maybe like maths or science or writing an essay, I had an energy and a drive for it where I could work all night or I could work all weekend or I wouldn't stop thinking about it. I could cancel all my plans just to kind of work on this one thing. And then I think that's what kind of steered me in that direction when I was younger, because I thought, I don't know where I'm gonna go, but I know this path is right for me because I have a hunger for it. I, I, I love to work in that way. And it might be in fashion, it might not be in art, it might not be, but something in that realm I just knew was fulfilling for me. Do you think fashion gives you more opportunities to fulfill yourself on every level from storytelling to design to to the you know the de development of ideas to you know that that's, that's like the amazing part of fashion that it like it's it's very hard to describe to somebody with, I, I guess people have their own sorry I keep playing with this bit of masking tape what about you doing there always fiddling, um, making something out of masking tape. <laughs> um, that's like the, I think that's the aspect that I really love about fashion and why when I was at college, it kind of steered me even further into that direction that it, it's everything, you know, like it, 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 it's textile, it's print, it's mathematics in terms of garment construction, it's storytelling when you're making a show or a campaign, you can, build an installation in a shop. There's also a human aspect. It's kind of restricted by the human body, um, which I also love. I love that idea of working within a restriction because the human body never really changes. So how many more times can you dress it up before you kind of run out of ideas? So I think that working in that restriction is really interesting as well. Um, I also love the community aspect of fashion, which I think um, I like that you get to work with people. I like, I like that you have a team around you. I guess sometimes I always think, oh, I wish I was a ceramicist and I worked on my own in a shed some, you know, like far away. But I think I would miss the people. I'd miss the discussing ideas and working on something together and building something together. And I think that's kind of what fashion gives you. I think that's why you can always have that energy.
You make me want to be a designer. Let's <laughs> Maybe make it that more exciting than it actually is. <laughs> but is that why um, you, you said something wonderful? You said you would love to create um, the a, one item that that became like a iconic, you know, like the Burberry trench or the I think Levi's jeans or something. You would love you would love to be able to leave the world a Craig Green. What would it be? Worker jacket or something? What would it be, do you think? That's like, I mean, that's another reason why I thought that I really respect brand, like a brand like Montclair, who kind of, I think, own a wardrobe. I don't know if you call it a staple, it's a bad word, but, you know, like a, they own a wardrobe classic of, you know, if someone says to you, I'm going to go and buy a winter down jacket, you tell them, go to Montclair and get a winter down jacket. And I think to own that kind of icon wardrobe piece is, especially in menswear, I think is really like the goal. Um, and I think I really respect brands that own those kind of items or those pieces of clothing. You know, if a man kind of, or somebody came and said to you like, oh, I, I need to buy a wardrobe of 20 pieces, you would tell them if you're getting a trench, get it from Burberry. If you're getting, you know, like you would list off the, the different aspects of clothing. And I think for a brand or a designer to kind of have one of those items is really an achievement. So maybe one day. <laughs> you've probably <laughs> got a big green worker jacket, I don't know. Yeah, you've got another 40 or 50 years. You've got another 40 or 50 years to work that out and I would nominate. Long, long gone nominate, by then. <laughs> nominate the worker jacket, I would. I guess I, I think that's just like, you know, like I think in terms of dressing people or in terms of having a clothing brand, I think I have great respect for designers or brands that own wardrobe classics like that. Well, Craig, that that's a very, um, that's a good place to leave us, leave today, leave today, and then we can come back and talk in <laughs> 40 or 50 years about... <laughs> <laughs> your contribution to the glo to the to the to the global uh, capsule collection. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's um, wonderful to talk to you. And as with everybody I speak to on Zoom, I don't know when I'll see you, but hopefully very soon. <laughs> Hope so. Thank you. Thank Tim. you very much. Bye, Craig. Bye bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, 
pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.